because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. <laughs> It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, welcome to the Baseball Ops Podcast, episode, I believe, four. We're moving right along. We've got a great guest today. It's going to be exciting. We've got uh, Steve Goody with Pocket Radar. I've been using the Pocket Radar for, what, uh, about a year, and then someone stole it <laughs> when we moved from the other facility. Steven, do you know where it went? No comment. <laughs> Seriously, like uh, somehow it disappeared, and there was a couple of with pocket radars. And I'll tell you, it sucks because I love that thing. Um, why did I love it? Because it was just easy, and it came with batteries, so I didn't have to like charge it. So if I could just keep a bunch of batteries and always have it, um, yeah, and it was just easy. It was like you could just throw it on the side. I'll, with the bigger guns, I'm afraid to throw it on the side. I'm afraid it when I drop it. I swear it was pretty durable but yeah so pocket radar we get to learn about this if you don't know anything about it you should check it out pocketradar.com it's this really convenient radar and, and i think what we learned from steven today we already did the interview was uh just the the idea of convenience so there's a lot you're going to learn today about pocket radar in the meantime or if you want to check it out on pocketradar.com we get a 10% off code, top VELO, T-O-P-V-E-L-O, and you get 10% off, which is like 30 bucks because it's $300. So check that out. Um, and yeah, it's going to be good. I think this is the first show that we're going to interview someone who's not just in baseball. They talk about how they're in other sports, uh, but obviously baseball is one of their biggest. And also, too, these are guys that are really running this probably more as a business than as like just a coach in business um so we get a different perspective and you're going to hear that um and it, it's just kind of i think it's going to be interesting for those uh, that are listening that are coaches or even players to understand what was their mission behind their product um why did they take the effort to put this out there and and what's the future of it and um i think it really serves a purpose what do you what did you get um i know we're kind of talking about the interview that's coming up but what'd you get out of the interview I mean, yeah, I, I just like kind of getting an understanding of how they uh, they built the brand, how they kind of gained trust in the industry and uh, how they kind of had to hustle um, uh, to get it out to these coaches to really start uh, building the brand awareness for it. So that was that was the coolest part for me. Yeah, I mean, it could just like any st startup business. I mean, he's been doing it for, I think he says, eight years. And you just understand that, you know, that's that's tough. I mean, and it really shows that at this point they're doing well because they've they've obviously made it this far. Most businesses don't survive past two years. So, it you know, you really listen up and learn what he's done because um, I, I don't see this product going anywhere. I mean, how do you think it's going to survive over the years? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, we kind of talked about with King of the Hill. Uh, it, you really start to see with everything, all these tools that are coming out that uh, players and coaches are, are going to have a lot of stuff at their disposal. Like you can go on apps now with Huddle Technique and get your slow motion film. You can get your radar gun for, like he was talking about, the price uh, less than the price of a bat that people are paying for these days. And uh, um, you know, and then you have your King of the Hill plate. Like you have all these tools at your disposal as a coach and as a player. 
Yeah, I really think the fact, you know, people always ask, what's a reliable radar gun? I mean, I think they're all reliable, man, because metrics are really based off of uh, comparisons. So it's like, of course, you know, you want them to be accurate. So, you know, okay, if I'm throwing 95, is that equal to Chapman's 95, Mm -hmm. you know? But you don't know. I mean, the stadium guns are going to be very different. In in all different stadiums, they're going to be different. Um, And... And, you know, guns where you use them. I found differences in using them in dark spaces and closed spaces to outdoors and stuff. So, I mean, don't get caught up in that. It's just there to kind of help you gauge where you are in your progression. So, obviously, try to use the same gun. Um, But, yeah, I I think that's really what it comes down to. Because, like, when I gain any new metric in our system, like when we learn any new metric, like when we got our force plates or when we got our biometric suits, or we have the biometrics video that we can motion capture. Every metric that I pick up, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, obviously, you got to understand the unit. But once you know this is inches, or this is foot-pounds, or whatever it is, you know, watts, or whatever it is, you just want to see how it holds up through different pictures. And and then you use that as a gauge. Um, So I think that's what you do with the radar. And And the radar is just something uh, it's, it's like a, a measurement that we all should know because it's really a measurement we're evaluated off of uh, we're not measured we're not evaluated off a lot of these biometrical um, uh, numbers that we like top v like we have but in a sense it helps us understand how to get to the ones that they value the ones they measure us off of like velocity or or bat speed or or whatever so <clears throat> this is like someone something that everybody should have and i, I really feel like you're not getting I th- you know, people think that you get the radar gun because you just want to see how hard you can throw. No, I think the radar gun mostly should be used for how are things changing when I make changes biomechanically. Um, yeah, I mean, so how, I mean, what do you do? You feel like he was saying we really need to educate the industry to to understand that you need measuring tools. I mean, do you feel like enough kids are? are you know, getting these or need these? Don't, I mean, don't you feel? What do you? I mean, what do you have to say? About oh, I mean, that? I think yeah, it's just it's it's one tool of many. Kind of like I was I was talking about it. It gives you uh, a little piece that can eliminate part of the guessing game. So, I mean, it, it, just like anything with our biomechanics, it's it's measuring. Uh, you get to see small incremental changes over time and see if you're going in the right direction or not. So same thing, uh, you know, if a guy's goal is for better exit velocity off of the tee, he can measure that. If it's going to be to be throwing harder off the mound, he can measure that. Um, so it, it's definitely a big a big piece uh, that kind of eliminates some of the guessing game that athletes and coaches have to go through when they're making changes with where the big question is, you know, it, it, am I getting better? Am I having improvement? And it definitely adds to that. Or is it healthy improvement? You know, what I've learned with the biometric now understanding with like biometrical measurements is that sometimes we can make an improvement, say on ball speed, and then we can look biometrically and see that say, that was more driven by the arm speed than the trunk speeds or the hip speeds. And then to me that, you know, through my research and, and, uh, you know, experience and data that if it's increased to just the arm speeds, it's, it's more of a high risk increase. Well, that's, that's getting more advanced into kind of like what we get into, but yeah. But the point is like, you'll never be able to get there if you don't start using first some measurement and obviously the the one that's highly valued the output the velocity if you're not measuring that in your training and seeing what's working and what's not 
um, then how are you ever going to evolve to like the next step of like, okay, well this got better, but was that a good getting better biomechanically or was that a bad getting better? Yeah, so absolutely. If you don't take this step, then you're just, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get on with it. It's kind of a long interview. He has a lot to say. So, I mean, listen to it. Um, and we'll see what you think. So here we go. All right. Another great episode of the baseball ops podcast. We've got a, a great company online. That's really made a name for themselves with pocket radar. We've got Steven. It, it's, I'm going to, I don't want to even butcher your, your last name. Is it Goody? Is that right? Yeah. Steve, Steve Goody. Goody. All right. Pretty simple. Steve Goody. So, um, well, thanks for coming on the show, Steve. I appreciate it. I'm oh, glad to be here. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Well, so I think I met you, oh, what was it, two ABCAs ago. Um, talk, talk about how long Pocket Radar has been around and why did you guys get started? Sure, Brent. Um, no, it's uh, been a really interesting ride. And we, we started this adventure actually back in the early 2000s. Uh, the product actually, our first product hit the market uh, in the spring of 2010, actually. Uh, basically about 10 years ago Um next month actually awesome. um so it's been quite a while i'm sorry not 10 what am i saying i can't add seven years ago seven <laughs> next <okay. month. laughs> um yeah see it just seems like it's been 10 years it's been seven <laughs> so um um no it's been great uh actually that that this year would be our eighth year that we're um you know doing this going into this year well that's sorry, our eighth year um 2017 so um now we first introduced our classic model, which is sort of a general all-purpose radar gun for sports. Uh, it's the one people have probably seen a lot of early on that has a red button. Yeah. Um, you know, we make a, obviously we, I, most of your uh, listeners probably know we make a pocket-sized radar gun. That's the name, pocket radar. Four ounces, fits in your pocket. Uh, super convenient to use. Um, that was one of the main goals in doing what we did was to take what was equipment that was bulky expensive uh very um obvious when you're using it people see what you're doing so it's pretty conspicuous uh and sort of change all of that um and in doing that we basically talked to a lot of users uh, coaches players pros about the previous generation of big radar guns and we tried to learn everything uh that they liked and didn't like about those first generation products uh, and we saw an opportunity to, to completely redo that um one of the big things that, that was loud and clear was that if, if we can make this as convenient and easy to use as like a, as a stopwatch, for example, um, that w it would change the nature of how radar was used in sports, all sports. Um, and sure enough, uh, looking back now, seven years, uh, I can honestly say that, that we've accomplished that uh, to very large degrees in a lot of different sports. Um, that convenience has made coaches um, completely alter how they use radar and measurements because before they, you know, had to say, okay, every other week or so we might charge up the radar guns and you know, if the batteries charge, we'll uh, get out there and do some bullpens maybe. Uh, and that's only if we can afford the thousand dollar plus price tag to even own one. So that was the other problem. And these are fragile, expensive instruments. If you drop them once you're probably out that money or at the very best case, you got to send them back to the factory for recalibration. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of reality that shaped uh, how these coaches were using the uh, radar, and it made it it made it you it made it so they used it infrequently. It was inconvenient, uh, and they certainly didn't use it every day. And it was only those programs or individuals that could afford that high price tag to get that, that equipment. You didn't find, really, generally speaking, any high schools 
or travel ball teams or little league teams or dads that could possibly consider, you know, purchasing one of those for themselves unless they were like very wealthy, um, which was just the rare case. So, um, since we introduced the product, now we have people at every level of sports from, you know, parents of an eight year old all the way up to pro scouts and Olympic coaches and everybody in between. Uh, are using the products so we generally absolutely have sort of democratized radar so that um you know anybody that can afford to buy a baseball bat can afford to own a radar gun now and that was really one of the things we'd hoped not only that we've made it so convenient and easy that they use it much more frequently they use it in situations where they never used it before to measure throwing velocities for pitchers and for position players measuring exit velocities to evaluate hitting um using it in coaching sessions live for feedback, obviously using it for scouting, recruitment, um, in, and then for games. Uh, so pretty much every, everything you use radar gun before radar before is, is, is out there now, but it's just used a lot more frequently and by a lot more people. And I think it's changed the sports, uh, a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, we've actually seen, yeah, I mean, I, I would totally agree. I, 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 just hearing you say that it's really the evolution of the stop, uh, watch makes all the sense in the world. I mean, I really see what you guys, what your vision was now. And I think you did, you nailed it. Um, because I just remember, I mean, I'm 40. I remember growing up as a kid, rarely ever seen a radar gun. I mean, if we saw a radar gun, it was because he was a scout holding it. Um, so yep. now to be able to have one as convenient as like the pocket radar were, like you said, it's like having a stopwatch. Um, it's, it is, it's changing the game. Um, and it, it helps the coach because now we can measure more. And when you're measuring, you're not, you know, you're not guessing. And it's the, the quality right. of it too is, is amazing for, you know, I, I think you guys sell it for 300 bucks. Like you're talking about some of these radars can get up to a thousand, two thousand $2,000. And people always are saying, well, it's, you're paying 300 bucks, but the quality isn't good, but we have them here at the facility and, and we have a lot of different radars as well. And comparing them, they're right on They're They're great quality. Yeah. Talk about the, the, your competitors and, and how it, st it stacks up to say the stalkers and the jugs which everybody hears about. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately nowadays, uh, and, and not to sound uh, inappropriate, but I don't really think there are any direct competitors anymore because nobody makes a category of radar gun that is like this. So it's not like I have other people making pocket sized radar guns that are right, accurate. Right. Um, uh, so, but as far as competition, as far as other radar devices, yeah, the Stalker is considered the gold standard among scouts. Um, you know, sort of ironically, if you look at their specification sheets in their manual, uh, we're spec actually to have better accuracy than they have. Um, uh, if you just look at their the published data, uh, which is surprising. But you know, my favorite thing to do is take this little four ounce radar gun early on. I took we take it out, go out to collegiate coaches, pro coaches, and you know. The, the hurdle we had to get over in the beginning was you see this little four-ounce thing that looks like a cell phone, and you're, you're told that's a radar gun, and there's a lot of skepticism. You know, um, In fact, I think even one of our competitors uh, said, oh, it's just a toy radar. It doesn't really work. It's not accurate. But you know, all it takes is you know, putting both guns side by side on 20 pitches and seeing they're reading the same number. Um, you, you quickly get over that concern. Yeah, I mean, and, what, but what, what I found when I put the nevertheless, three, it, took, it took several years for people to actually experience that themselves and believe it. Yeah, when I put the three guns together, all I see random numbers from all of them. I mean, they all kind of bounce around with one, one or two miles per hour. There's, it doesn't seem yeah. like there's ever one gun giving you a consistent reading because you don't know. But you do. 
they're all in the same range and they're all doing kind of this similar random jump i i found of, of within a, a mile per hour or two is, is that your experience yeah. in fact that's a good that's a good um that's a good statement because radar in general it's a sophisticated technology using you know very high frequency low power radio signals to bounce off the ball it's like an echo like a, it's like an echo of sound off of a wall. It really echoes a radio signal off that leather baseball. And then the little bit that comes back to the device is uh, processed by computers uh, to deduce the speed from the Doppler shift. Um, uh, and so it's very sophisticated. It's very sensitive equipment. So all, all radar guns uh, uh, at all price points um, you know, have that uh, certain accuracy range they dance around. And like you said, ours is plus or minus one mile an hour. Um, so typically, if you have a bunch of scouts out there that you see using any radars, our radars, stalkers, jugs, um, you'll see those numbers dancing around all within like one miles an hour. You know, some of them will just match up, you know, dead on, uh, might be one that's up one and down one. But, you know, scouts and users that use radar learn pretty quickly that uh, any given measurement is 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 accurate to the extent that radar uh, is accurate. And, you know, it's within a tight tolerance. But, you know, every once in a while you get that thing called ghost readings. Police know about this. Um, you know, every once in a while you get this random number because it's like pointed at a cell phone tower because it sees something moving or it sees a fan in the background. It's all sort of normal perform no, normal behavior for radar guns to have interference. Uh, and that's just part about being trained about how to use radar appropriately. Um, in fact, the police have to go through, I think, a week-long training course to even be able to touch a radar gun so they know how to use it correctly when doing law enforcement. So, you know, most of our users make to pull it out of the box and just start going at it without right. reading anything. So we had to make it very easy and usable. Um, I should mention uh, a very important fact is that around usability is that that first model, we call it the classic now with the red button, uh, if you read the instructions and used it as advertised, it was you know dead on with the other uh, guns. And uh, but most people you know don't read instructions nowadays. They just get that figured out on the go. Uh, there's a few things you can do wrong if you don't read the instructions. Um, and people were doing that a lot with our early models. Some people were frustrated because it wasn't uh, giving them the number they thought. Uh, it was just about the user not understanding how to use it properly. Uh, fortunately, often they had a lot of people around them that had invested the time to uh, read the instructions, and then they knew that it was something they were doing wrong, and a lot of them just corrected that behavior. But that being said, it was a challenging device, and we sort of raised the bar and said, look, it, we really got to accept the fact that if someone can't pull it out of the box and just start using it intuitively without reading anything, then we, we probably ought to improve it. And so about uh, three years ago, three, four years ago, we introduced the ball coach model, which is the one you're probably most familiar with. It has a blue button. It's called the ball coach. It was really done by listening for three years to all of those sports coaches about what they loved about it, what they didn't like so much. And so we radically changed the product. Uh, it has a lot of different technology inside the algorithms so that now uh, it's super easy to use. You know, you just aim it right, hold the blue button down uh, before the pitching motion is started or the hitting motion. You let it do its thing automatically as you're holding the button down. And then when the speed comes on the screen, it's automatically the speed out of the hand or off the bat, which is what you want. Uh, and then you let the button go. Before the old model, you had to time your button push, get it centered up uh, with a half-second window on sort of the release point. It was hard to do. It took a few minutes to practice. You know, it was easy once you practiced it. But if you didn't practice and know that, uh, you were going to probably struggle. So we eliminated all that learning. Uh, and now it's so easy to do. You can even be having conversations with people. Uh, and then maybe most importantly, we added a, um, a continuous on mode in the new ball coach that wasn't present in the other model. So you could set it up on a tripod, have it run by itself, 
while you're doing more coaching and not worrying about the radar. And so the speech just display automatically. So we really took all that input and made it much more usable uh, and a lot more sophisticated. And we put deeper memory in it and store 25 deep in the recall list as opposed to 10 in the Hurley model. So that the ball coach model really is optimized highly for sports that have the ball sort of in motion for only a, uh, you know, a fraction of a second. So, you know, the average baseball pitch is like in flight for like a, you know, a third to a half second. Uh, so this is a, it's a very quick event. Uh, so it really needed to have that enhancement. Uh, but fortunately that's been, that ball coach model has been the one now that is just sort of spread like wildfire. It's just accelerated things even further. And so now we're, we're pretty much the go-to standard for anybody that wants convenient speed measurement. We just had, a whole bunch of pro teams uh, by, you know, lots of units down in spring training to do to deploy up among all their development department. We have some teams like the Padres that have put it. it every medical person in the in the organization has one, uh, and all the development pitching coaches have them. Uh, it's just sort of standard issue now. The Dodgers do the same thing in, in their medical department. The Astros just bought I think 15 units for spring training. Um, and there's lots of pro scouts, at least one or more on every every big league team that uh, puts this in their toolkit you know, they know when to when to use a, a you know a gun like ours versus the long range gun the one thing that the other guns will do is allow you to go back in the stadium and catch the ball out of the hand you know several hundred feet away but we consciously said you know the pocket size and convenience definitely is the main use case for you know most athletes the rarefied case where you need to be hundreds of feet away is so rare that we traded that off uh, all of our products have a 120 foot maximum range which we calculated to be pretty much in, in any amateur ball field if you're behind the back, backstop you're within that distance easily um and so in the rarefied cases where people need to be in stadiums we tell them you know go buy a thousand dollar radar gun and uh, then you can be back in the stands way up in uh, you know at&t park or wherever uh, but that's not what we designed this product for we designed it for the mass market and for the average person so talk about um, your price point. So how did you, was it hard to get to that price point or is that just what came out once you basically put the product together and, and you know. Yeah, that was taking, a, that was one of the biggest challenges in this. Um, we had to partner with our, uh, our factory very deeply in Asia to um, uh, basically figure out how to make a very high performance pro grade, uh, you know, radar, Doppler radar gun. Uh, but radically lower the cost. And uh, it took us years to actually to figure out that. We got some patents out of it. Um, you know, the big radar guns, you know, effectively because you're listening for an echo, so to speak, to use an analogy, we're using a radar uh, radio wave echo as opposed to, uh, you know, echo in a canyon that you hear when you yell in the canyon. It's the same basic principle that you're bouncing, you know, this radio signal off the ball and it shifts, shifts in its frequency or its pitch just like a car horn. When you hear a car horn go off, when it's driving by you and it shifts in its tone, uh, it's that shift that uh, the radio signal uh, uh, experiences as well. And you can calculate that shift and that's proportional to the speed of the of the ball. Uh, so we had to work with our, our manufacturers to um, basically take effectively a smaller ear. Uh, I use the ear analogy because the big handheld gun-shaped radar guns, they have a big metal... Uh, megaphone looking thing inside that's their antenna if you took them apart it literally looks like a little megaphone mm. you know a, a cone shaped metal ice cream cone kind of shape uh, it, they need that big long cone to sort of be a good ear so when that signal comes out and comes back they can they can hear it better well we have this little pocket-sized device 
with a very tiny, small, flat antenna of the style that the military aircrafts use, these flat panel antennas, effectively making our ear much, much smaller and it can't hear signals as, as well. So our technology breakthroughs and our patents were about how to make do with a small ear and actually a small power transmission too. Our whole thing runs off of these two AAA batteries, which is low, our low power. So we were, A, we weren't shouting as loud, if you will, to use the sound analogy. And B, we had a small ear with hearing damage. <laughs> and so we had to put all the breakthroughs in sort of how to listen better. It's sort of that analogy to trying to hear a conversation in a no- noisy party or a room where you have one person's voice. You know, you have to, it's hard to hear that voice. Seeing the reflection off a radar, uh, off a ball, is sort of the same problem as trying to hear a single voice in a loud crowd, a party. Um, it's the same problem. So you need special algorithms and computation stuff we've uh, and different circuits uh, that we've patented that allow us to, you know, despite the noise in the room, still hear the voice. And that, that's sort of the breakthrough that allowed the pocket-sized device to occur and to have it run off a of simple, you know, AAA batteries. It was It took several years to actually figure that out. And then working with our Asian partner, a partner to manufacture that in an affordable price point. So for three hundred dollars, you know, less than the price of a good baseball bat, you can um, you can own your own radar gun. That's the same guns that the big leagues teams use now. I can say. So. Well, so what? So what have you done to brand Pocket Radar? Um, what do you do as far as I mean? I mean, where are you having most of your success? Is it is it um, referral marketing or is it internet marketing? Well, is it affiliate? We do a little of everything, uh, but probably the, the most powerful thing is the users themselves. So if you go and look at uh, where our radar guns are used, uh, you'll see that you know, all of the private uh, scouting, recruiting, training organizations like you know, you know, all the big brands uh, in those circles, whether you're talking about you know, Factor Athletics, Perfect Game, NSR, PBR, there's an endless list of people in the business of evaluating kids, working on development. Um, all those organizations, I'm proud to say, have standardized on, on using our product for what they do. So, you know, having a, a parent or an athlete show up at an event, um, and not to mention all the countless academies like yours, you know, where the, the guns show up there as well. So now, fortunately, a coach or a parent can walk into anything, whether it's a, a facility, an academy, a weekend event by a, a showcasing company, and what do they see? They see them using the ball coach radar uh, to evaluate their kid or to coach their kid. And so it's become, and now the big leagues are using it too. So, um, you know, no matter where you look, you see this radar gun being the standard equipment that people choose. That's been probably one of the most powerful, uh, you know, ways to market the product. And then word of mouth, you know, goes from there. Uh, you know, not to mention, yeah, we do online digital stuff and all your typical things, uh, partnerships of different kinds for sponsorship. Uh, so it's out in the world basically being seen and it's in the digital world being seen. So, um, you know, that's about as good as it gets nowadays and it's worked well. I mean, the word is spreading. MLB has helped because, you know, as you've seen with sort of the broadcast now with StatCast when they're, you know, someone hits a, a bomb, hits a home run, you know, next thing you know, they're talking about its exit velocity, right? And how many distance, how many feet it went. Um, so that kind of raising awareness of these measurements into the collective consciousness of the athletes out there and the coaches has also helped accelerate, um, you know, the appeal of the, of the product because now uh, people know it's important to measure these numbers now. If the big leaguers are talking about it and the college coaches are recruiting based on my numbers, you know, it's sort of like now it's becoming more of the standard GPA SAT score if you're going to go off to school, college. Um, you know, the, those are um, – it's one thing that tells 
something about your capabilities. It doesn't tell the whole story. It doesn't tell you whether you're coachable or not or whether you can be led or whether you're a good athlete. But it certainly tells you you have some basic fundamental skills that are at a certain level that can be measured, just like a, you know, a GPA in school. It doesn't tell the whole story about the person, but it can tell you a lot about certain things. So how, did you, uh, uh, so the, how long did it take for you guys to start really building that brand awareness and, and building trust in the product? Because you talked a little bit about how it was a little bit of a hurdle at first with yep. uh, coaches. They kind of thought it was more of a toy and not accurate. How did you guys go about uh, – uh, really pushing that this is a you know a really high quality tool and uh, and you just built your brand awareness through that. How long did that take? Yeah. Well, I wish I could say there was a shortcut on, on on that that challenge, but I think most companies will tell you that have been through it. There is no shortcut. You, you sort of start, you know, you start with people that are trusted using it. So very early on, we had top championship coaches both in softball and baseball and lacrosse and tennis and other sports, you know get the radar guns into their hands, get them using it every day. Um, you know, we had early on, we have Olympic, we had Karchkarai as an Olympic volleyball coach. We had, you know, Clint Myers uh, in softball. We had um, uh, Tim Walton. We had Andy Lopez when he was at Arizona on baseball. How were you guys uh, reaching out to all these coaches? Were you, were you just individually finding them on like LinkedIn or online and emailing them? Or how were you getting it into uh, initial- their hands? Initially, I was, you know, using my network of contacts to reach out directly. Sometimes just calling them cold, offering to come down, visit them, show them what we had. You know, a lot of skepticism, of course. Yeah. Until I, I, fortunately, with them, it was easy. All I got to do is bring out your current gun you're using, and let's put them side by side and, and look at that bullpen over there for uh, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's all it took in those circles to convince them. And then they wanted like half a dozen instantly. And that's what happened across volleyball, baseball, softball, lacrosse, hockey, you name it, tennis. Uh, it was instant and quick to get those named guys, and because, and 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 no surprise, these championship coaches had already probably heard about the product because they're always looking for um, new tools, you know, new ways, new methods. That's why they're champions. Mm-hmm. And so, I more often than not, when I'd call them up, they're like, "Oh yeah, I saw that email or that website campaign you did, uh, where no one else saw it. They did because uh, they're looking." And like I said, one of the reasons they're champions. So it was really easy early on to, uh, I mean, it took a lot of labor and time to go, you know, make the contact, get, get through the hurdles of being able to talk to them. But once I got through those hurdles, and I did pretty much most of that myself, um, you know, I founded the company with two other partners, but I'm sort of do a lot of the outward facing work. Um, and, um, but that was the, the, the kernel of getting the beginning of that brand awareness. Now it took, you know, several years to have it spread from there. As you know, in sports, uh, especially in baseball, uh, it takes a while to build that trust, right? There's skepticism, uh, rightfully so, with all the stuff that's promised to be great and isn't. People are on the defensive, that's especially right. with something as crucial as, you know, a pitching velocity and, and, and being, a, a, you know, a kid's future uh, life and whether they're a prospect or not. You can't, you don't want to mess around with those numbers. Those numbers have been established since the 70s as the golden numbers, ex velo and, and pitching throwing speed, so out of the hand. So I had to, we had to build that. It took, I would say, honestly, it probably took three to five years to start to really cement, you know, the brand as synonymous with trusted and accurate. Unfortunately, the last two years, uh, you know, it's just been locked in. In fact, here's a great illustration. There's uh, been a lot of buzz about that that White Sox uh, White Sox uh, kid. Uh, Kopak is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, MLB retweeted uh, a video of him uh, during a, a peak throwing velocity exercise where he threw 110 miles an hour. A running crow hop throw into a net, 
and it was the ball coach radar that was had that speed in the video in the tweet. Uh, nobody that I saw, and that was spread and retweeted by MLB to like 10 million people. It still shows up in the Bleacher Report. It's going around by the millions, and I don't see any commentary now, you know, in the tweets or posts saying yeah but is that radar gun accurate how do we know we can trust Mm -hmm. that weird looking radar gun fortunately we've arrived so that nobody even says that anymore it's a ball coach the speeds on it it's accurate has has that been has that helped i mean have you noticed an uptick in growth due to that that uh, viral video well this is a learning this was that's interesting point in fact it's fascinating because early on in this adventure as i went out into the world you know and was able to get the thing out there um you would think that um, you know a viral video like that one would cause an immediate tangible uptick in sales. Um, in fact, let me, let me jump back seven years. We launched our product at the CES show in Las Vegas. It's the biggest convention uh, on, the, on the planet almost in terms of how many people attend. We were on Good Morning America, the Today Show. I showed, I showed Al Roker personally how to use that classic model radar, <laughs> and we had two high school kids throwing baseballs on the – Today show being measured with that first gun. Cool. It's, we had 200 million media impressions. That's how the PR firms measure wow, how many wow. people you touched, at least for a moment. 200 million impressions off of that uh, that campaign uh, to launch the product, and no sales happened from that. What? That was one of the biggest. Yeah, that was one of the biggest sort of wake up calls for me on how you have to have a sustained. Re- repeated message through word of mouth and digital means nobody nowadays sees one tweet and trust the brand it what it will do though is it's one of many steps along the way that's necessary right, and i talk to parents yeah. all the time about what does it take for you to spend three hundred dollars on something for your kid or if you're a coach to, to invest in a training tool that's three hundred dollars usually the story goes something like a I don't trust anything because I've been so misled so often that I'm on the defensive constantly. And my process goes something like, I see who's using it. I'm still skeptical. I talk to good friends. Have you heard of this thing? I'm still skeptical. You know, I get to try one, borrow one. I'm still skeptical. You know, I read about it in in an online article. I'm a little less skeptical. I see that, you know, that the big leaguers are using it. I'm less skeptical. And about seven or eight clicks in, they finally cross the line and go, you know, I'm looking for equipment this season. I think I'm going to give me one of those. And literally, I didn't want to believe that. It takes like all eight of those steps for a purchaser to decide that they're going to invest their money, their hard-earned money in, in the product like this. And it's because we're so overwhelmed nowadays with offers from every direction digitally. You know, thousands of times per day, we're all told in some fashion electronically that this thing is good for us. We should purchase it, right? So we're all on the defensive. And so it takes a sustained you know, long effort with word of mouth being the backbone of it to build that brand, that trust. And, um, you know, I, uh, I believed early on that there were shortcuts like those trade shows, like this tweet with Michael uh, Kopak, uh, that that would instantly convert to sales. In reality, that is not true. It is a brick in the wall. You know, it helps build uh, and fortify you know, it's sort of a long-term pipeline of right. impressions you have to keep feeding. Sure. So that was one of the biggest lessons I, for me personally in this endeavor was that there is no shortcut. You know, even a viral thing won't cause a purchase uh, like this. That doesn't say that viral things don't cause other things to be purchased because, you know, if there's a viral video about, you know, you know a better, you know, a better way to, you know, do something in your home that you understand, cut your grass, Right. 
well, it doesn't require any education. You know, if you can instantly absorb, you know, what this thing is that you just saw the viral video on and you know you need it, then that can be instant sales. In fact, that's actually the second most interesting fact about uh, this whole adventure with the radar gun. Well, I feel like being the, a radar. Go ahead. Sorry. I feel like the viral video has to be really specific to the product. And then that viral video is, is showing the product, which, like you said, it's giving you credibility. But it really didn't create the impression to the user that, hey, pay attention to this radar gun. They were more paying attention to Copec uh, yeah. and how hard he was throwing. So I think if that's, that, right. that's the one thing with commercials you always see. I feel like the commercials that don't do a good job of making you focus in on the product, I feel like it's such a waste of money. You know, so I, yeah. I, I think that's where the viral video has to really somehow focus in on the product more than anything else. That's right. That and that is a huge thing because then it's a subliminal impression or sort of you know it was in there and when you see that, that image later you you recognize oh that was that thing that right Michael right was yeah. but you don't register it because it's not about that but even when it is about the product which we've done before um, like Al Roker how many millions of people saw Al saying he's holding it up to the camera and going this is a really cool new kind of radar gun if you have a kid that's in baseball and you need this and he measured a kid yeah there but was I no- kind of feel like if that if that came out today, I think it'd be a different story, don't you think? If that, if you did well, that today, this is the good. This is that good segue into the other question. So another big learning for me and for us, you would think that would be true. That's what I thought, um, and it is better today, you know, because of a number of reasons. But here's what what we learned: um, when you say it's a radar, then that's good and bad. The good news is. You know, it's not an iPod 20 years ago when no one knew what that meant. You know, Apple had to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to explain what this little device is and how it can hold music. It was all un- it was all brand new. It was unfamiliar, and that's a huge hurdle to educate. And you got to put repetitive information out there to teach people what this new great thing is and how the- why they'll love it. Uh, that's a- the biggest kind of hurdle you could have in consumer products uh, is you got to do the massive education to tell people what this new thing is you never heard of, like an iPod pad what's that you know um but for radar we had sort of unusual double-edged sword going on there we say it's a four ounce pocket-sized radar gun that's as accurate as a pro gun um it is a pro gun if it's in your pocket uh so we were already one step ahead and then they go oh radar gun i know what that is you know and that's good okay you know what the product is got over that hurdle they know what it is they they then say that's that's what the scouts use for measuring the pitcher's velocities I know what that is, and that's sort of good. And then the next, from there on, it goes bad in general because then they go, I'm not that target market. I don't need a radar gun. I'm not a pro scout. Right. Uh, or if I'm a pitcher, uh, say I'm a parent of a kid that's a pitcher, well, okay, but I don't need one of those at home. The kid's pitching coach has one at the facility, and he'll maybe he'll buy that. I don't need one. You know. Or you know, I'm a coach of a, a youth team, and like, oh, that's cool, but, you know, I have no idea why I don't want to measure these numbers. We just want to get the kids out there, have well, a good I mean, time. Have you're some you're have basically fun. defining why Facebook is literally become the place to advertise is because what you're saying is, is your your traffic has to really focus in on your target market. If not, it can be wasted traffic. Correct. And so, um, so we look at that, and you're absolutely right about that focus. But it's more than that. Here's what we learned is that. Um, when I when I'm, I'm I'm an engineer by training, and now I'm a you know entrepreneur and a lot of other things. We wear a lot of hats when you run a small business, as you know. Yeah. But what I learned is that um, you know if if it's about education, 
basically, um, if I can't teach people, we as a company can't teach people why these numbers are important, we're not going to sell many of our products. And it's not going to, and more importantly, all these youth athletes aren't going to benefit uh, from the advantages they can have by owning one. So here's what I saw happen. This was really fascinating. I saw that the heart of the market, as far as the most in the know, and this is surprising, um, was the collegiate coach. The championship collegiate coach or the average collegiate coach uh, was more engaged in learning new ways, new methods, and using anything and everything they could use. Or or the elite academy owner. And there's very few in the country, you know, as you probably know, um, where they, they look at what they're doing from a, an analytical point of view and they strive to always get better. They don't just hang the shingle and say, right. I used to you know, play pro ball, now I can teach your kid. Um, you know, that's not true. It, it, teaching and playing is a different skill for one thing. And then being analytical and thoughtful about methods is another. And, and using numbers to coach with is a sort of a rarefied uh, you know, area uh, that's coming on more and more now, fortunately. So it's really about this missing information. I didn't have a good way to take that knowledge that was used at the elite academies or at the college level and push that downward into travel ball, high school, junior high school, little league even, where in reality, if they could understand all these, you know, dozens of things you can do, literally dozens of things you can do with measurements in general and objective data when applied to coaching for fun or for serious. Uh, it's this missing information that most people, if I sat down a parent or a youth coach and went over all the things you can do with measurables, with numbers, about hitting, throwing, um, they would be floored. They are. Their jaws drop. They don't understand it. And it's actually overwhelming because it's so new and unfamiliar. Uh, but the bottom line is, I can tell you countless stories about those that are, are embracing these methods and how they're accelerating their development, you know, going from being, uh, literally going from, you know, warming the bench to be the all-star hitter, you know, literally, uh, you know, I, there's so many personal stories of kids which, whose lives are transformed, coaches, from embracing, you know, using uh, data as, as an objective way. It doesn't change how you coach, but it's an overlay that confirms whether your coaching is working correctly, whether you're trending toward improvement or not. Uh, it's validating your methods. It's stopping arguments because you're using objective data. You don't have to debate whether that hit sounded better or felt better or the pop was loud. You know, it takes away all this ambiguous, subjective, traditional coaching and, and overlays it with something measurable. And what I love to tell coaches is it doesn't matter what your favorite method to, to teach hitting is. The measurements and the numbers allow you to confirm whether the methods are working, at least from yeah. the delivery of power on the ball or velocity on the ball on a pitch. And so it's all of that body of knowledge that is the current challenge. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, just to jump in, that's the business we're in, and, and, and you're hitting the nail exactly on the head. Right. Yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, it's a, you, you really do gain credibility as a coach, even if you feel like you don't have credibility, if you're able to give them advice, and then you can actually show them how the measurement improved and, and give them the understanding of that. I think you don't ha feel like you have to be a major league pitcher to coach kids how to get better in this game if you if you're measuring because that's credibility in itself hey what i showed you worked here's the proof you know that's right in fact that's 
having that proof, I mean, imagine there's nothing better for a parent that's, you know, paying for those lessons at the, at the, at the center to say, hey, hey we're going to baseline your kid when he comes in, whether he's working on throwing or working on hitting. We'll make some measurements. We'll make some athletic assessments. Here's the starting point. And then here's how we track the progress along the way with these measurements, with radar, with stopwatches, with everything we have. And we can demonstrate to you how your kid is progressing. And if he's not, we can quickly identify he's not and make a course correction. And so I'm sure you guys do this every day, is that that ability to measure it objectively gives causes all kinds of great things to happen. It, it causes parents to feel like they're getting a great value from your center and the lessons they're investing in. It causes the kid to have boosted morale, seeing that even though it feels like he's not making progress, he actually is making continual progress. So it boosts morale and dedication. I mean, it goes, the list goes on and on and on, as you know. And, and leaping to the end, my, my big goal, our big goal is to, we know and like I said, I know this through other coaches, not because I say it, because other coaches tell me this, uh, that the people that use these methods and use them well are so much further ahead in so many different ways that once all parents understand the full version of that story, then owning your own radar gun from Pocket Radar is going to be on the list with the baseball bat and the glove and the hat and the cleats. It's, it's going to be right. a must-have item. And as you know, the great facilities, and I know of some that um, pretty much tell the athletes that are serious that if you want to be doing the most you can do for your development, you need to own your own measurement equipment. So when you go home and effectively do your homework that you learn from your hitting instructor and take those repetitions at home, that you can see whether you are on track. You know, that feedback is valuable. I could tell you a story of how I've watched hit, I, I've watched, you know, high school age athletes being transformed in an hour from a good hitting coach with, with a radar gun and a little bit of video. Right. You know, I saw two girls that were 16 have 10 miles an hour of exit velocity added to their swings uh, by having them work with this great hitting coach that taught at the MLB level down to the you know little league level. And he transformed them with radar. And the radar was the magic piece along with the coaching because it gave the, the girls feedback on every single cut off the tee that, that they were on the right path. Because, and that's a great illustration because you think about changing body mechanics you know, to the mind of an athlete. It feels weird when you rebuild a swing, right? It all feels wrong. If a coach says, do this, you know, hold the bat a different way or do your stance a different way or load up differently, uh, it's going to feel strange and odd if you've been doing it for five years the other way or more. Um, and so you're going to be sort of lost in the forest as you're rebuilding your, your mechanics and the radar gun is the one like beacon of light that on every attempt to do what the coach just told you, like, I want you to load up this way and use your lower body. Right. Um, well, it's going to feel weird the first few times they do it. And lo and behold, their exit velocity is going to go down on a few of those attempts. And like when I watched these, both these girls do it, it took them five, 10 tries to get their exit velocity to go higher than it was when they started. The other eight or nine were lower. But the one that was higher told their minds, oh, that weird feeling was the right weird feeling to try to repeat. And those other ones were wrong. And that's how the human brain and body are so great at adapting that if you give that immediate quantitative feedback, it says that was correct, that was not correct. Your mind is amazing. You can find its way to go back to the correct one. You know, within 15 minutes, both of those girls were like one out of two, one out of three higher exit velocity. You know, when, they, when a half an hour, they're consistently up, and then they worked on a different part of the swing. But without that feedback, as you guys know, 
uh, you're sort of lost, you know, in the dark, you know, hoping subjectively you find your way there. Uh, so, you know, it's just one example of why, you know, a lot of the instructors will tell the kid, take the device home, own one yourself, because when you're trying to practice those new mechanics we learned today in a lesson, you you know whether you're executing them correctly at home by by checking your exit velocity on every cut, on every hit off the tee in the net. You know, you'll know whether you're on the right track. And if you're not, you can, you know, we can talk about it next lesson and, and you need the practice anyway. So it it really needs to become an integral part of any serious practice regimen, you know, if you're at home, uh, not just during the lesson. And I think that's the big, that's the big um, opportunity in front of all of us collectively is to take these best practices that are already have been used at the collegiate level and higher for years and drive them down into the amateur world with affordable tools along with great instruction like you guys provide to make everybody a better athlete. And I think that's, that's our mission. Can you talk about the, um, the, the pro, the pocket radar pro I've been really interested in it. I see you guys have now launched it. I think in closing, this is going to be uh, the end of it here. Can you just, Tell us uh, what what the pro offers and, and if anything you want to get the, kind the, of the future of pocket radar yeah, and, and we'll the, close. So you're referring to the pro radar system we launched uh, at the show uh, two ABCs ago, um, and we it went on sale last year in November of, of 2016. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That that was another story of listening to our coaches and, and our organizations saying, "Well, what do you want from us beyond the pocket size device that you already love?" And they said, "You know." You know, we do outdoor work, we do combine work, we do inside tunnel work. We'd love to have a large, you know, bright display sign, and we'd like to have longer range and some other, we'd like to have great battery life. So once again, we sort of, so this pro radar system for people that don't know, you know, it consists of a radar module that's, uh, you know, about, I don't know, nine inches by five inches by six inches, sort of a cube shape that mounts on, on top of a tripod, and, and a, a display sign that has nice, three-inch high, ultra-bright red LEDs you can see from uh, the speed from 100 feet away in bright sunlight, so on a field, uh, and it's tethered together, and it all runs off of batteries for uh, one set of the batteries. Will, uh, it runs off of uh, four C cells if you want, and those four C cells would run the whole system radar and display for 14 hours, uh, or you can plug it into any US, USB power system. It has a USB connector, so you can plug it into the wall. You can plug it into like those phone charger USB batteries you use to charge your phones with. Uh, so it's very flexible for power, uh, and it's priced at twelve hundred dollars, um, you know, street price. And basically, looked at what would you know from the other vendors that make that kind of equipment. You got to sort of piece together expensive components by a gun, expensive, expensive by a sign that's very expensive. It doesn't all work together on battery system. They got their own power sources. So we looked at all that and said, how do we need? How can we do that better? Provide that sign, a long reach radar system for a really affordable price. And fortunately, uh, people that are using it now just love it. So you can take it out. Um, it'll measure a ball, you know, over 200 feet away, a baseball, uh, and it has special modes in it for like uh, indoor work as well, uh, different settings. Uh, and the sign is really great. It, it, we're working with partners to have that hooked to computers now, so it can be integrated into other software systems uh, involving video. Uh, so it's really a, another offering that's really stepping it up to another level of technology and uh, for, for those applications. Like we have a lot of our showcase operator partners that are going to be start deploying that for all their field events for, you know, the measurables on the field. They'll be using those systems now. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of training academy owners now put them in different tunnels for lessons, you know, you know right in the facility so everybody can see the speeds coming up, the athlete, the coaches. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna it's it's a uh, really uh, been uh, received in a very positive way by all of our, all the people that have uh, owned them now. Yeah, we're a big fan. I, I, I love it. Um, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed the gun, and we'll, we'll continue to you know represent it like it's it is it, it really wins on convenience and it's very accurate and um it's just fun to use it's a lot more fun than the bigger guns but i appreciate it steve i appreciate you getting on and sharing your 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 knowledge about uh the business and, and and i love what you guys are doing i think you got an amazing product and i think you know that now with your growth and uh we'll, we'll stay in touch and maybe as it evolves we'll get you on the show again That'd be great. I've really enjoyed doing this, Brent, and uh, thanks for having me on. And I, you know, I love telling the story of, of why we're doing what we're doing and how we've done it, and uh, really mainly get the word out to all athletes and all coaches that you know this is the kind of stuff they can be doing every day, and that would really you know help help all of them collectively. Well, we'll definitely thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and we'll definitely help you make the push in that same effort. So fantastic. All right. Well, thanks. Steve. Well, thanks. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Yeah. So a lot of info in the interview. Um, like I said, it might be something where you might want to f- go back and review. Um, I, I, I like when he talked about um, just how the gun works. It was cool to hear just the science behind the gun, how it's based on sound. It's like sonar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why if you whistle into a gun, you can actually whistle ball speed or you can create speeds with your whistle. Higher pitch whistles actually record higher speeds really and that's why when you you calibrate these you use tuning forks and there's a certain the tuning fork is supposed to hit a certain speed like when you hit it it should be registered at a certain speed and that's how you can calibrate it but it's cool to, to learn that that it's all built on um on sound um i i think <clears throat> hearing the evolution just listening to him talk about how they wanted to develop an ear uh, that you know was was past the level of the old school cone, and you kind of think of like TV. TV was a CRT, which was actually a you know it was a, a tube, you know that's what they used to call it the the, the TV tube or whatever, mm-hmm. and and then it evolved to a flat screen. So I really felt like when I was listening to the interview that the old school radar is like that old school tube, and the TV, and then what he was doing with using the military technology with the antenna to create the ear is like the evolution of that. But mm-hmm. then it really shows how far behind baseball is and technology. <laughs> it's like, geez, that's almost then sounding like we've gone from, uh, you know, the record to the Walkman radio and, or, you know, whatever. And then from the Walkman, we went to the iPad or iPod. So it's like, I see that. I really do see with radars, the next evolution is in the phone. And I know they're already trying, but it still has an external device to measure it, but it, it, it'll go in the phone. Because if it's sound, then they should be able to pick it up off the what microphone they have in there to be able to create it. And then from there, it's connecting that to the, the apps. So all the apps could pull from that. You know, like all the huddle technique could pull the radar readings right in from the phone because, you know, iPhone built that in. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, now you can shoot it to cloud databases and you can connect it to other biometrics. Yeah. Um, and I think it might even create... Um, even more. I mean, maybe it, you know, you could you could put little th- things on different joints that created different sounds, and then it would get an understanding of how fast those sounds were going. I, I, like, I don't know. I was just when I was hearing that, I could see the evolution of the radar. I hope it doesn't take forever to evolve, like it seems like it's doing. But I, I really think it could potentially be exciting where we really start capturing a lot more data. What do you think? 
I think you're a huge nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been a nerd episode. Uh, oh, I, 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 now that like I'm sitting here thinking about it, I wish I had you know asked him more. Uh, you know what it's like working with manufacturers in China, where yeah. he like that. That's part of the uh, of the business that I would have been kind of curious. China, China, yes, of course, China. <laughs> my my apologies. Uh, yeah, no, I, I that that was interesting to me that I didn't know he had it all manufactured over there in China, and uh, you know the difficulties with that. He said it took a year. Um, working with them to finally get the product ready. So it uh, must have taken a, a lot of patience and uh, ambition. Yeah, because you're sending probably um, the, the, the AutoCAD stuff back and forth, and you know, we should have asked him, but, and then you're just tweaking it and getting it right, and then they send a prototype, and then, then that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then, like he was saying, the first model, you had to time, you had to time it, when it when you threw. Yeah. And now this one is more like, say, the jugs with consistent and peak and you know you i didn't ask him this but you 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 wonder if they're going to evolve to what stalker does which allows you to see speed at all points and then of course you can grab peak speeds but you can still see peaks at speeds across the plate um i don't know i don't think he needs to get that fancy because like he was saying it's really built on convenience the fact that all the pro teams want it now is because they can put it in their pockets and all have it at all times yeah anything else man no, not that I can think of. So cool. We're going to try to get on the next episode. Um, I'm hoping we're going to shoot for, we've got a couple guys in mind. Um, I do want to get John Madden. I'm just going to keep saying this. I want to get Pitching Tunnels, um, I think Matt Hammonds. I want to talk, uh, interview them about the Pitching Tunnels like the Zinger has. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have any suggestions, uh, put it out there. Don't forget pocketradar.com. And that the top below is the coupon code. You get 10% off. And we'll see you on the next episode.